Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. How are you guys? What I'm going to do for you today is put out the latest episode of Metal Raps here on the Talking Metal stream. So this will be Metal Raps, I believe, episode 29, recorded last week, uh, less than a week ago. And it features Mitch Joel, Mitch LaFon, and of course myself, just talking about different things. Uh, It was was less than a week ago that uh, when I recorded this that I had gotten back from from Guns N' Roses. Uh, That's mm, over a week ago, this, this, uh, this point, like 10 days ago or something. It's Monday today, so... Yeah, Monday, what's the date? April, Monday, April, what the hell is it? The 18th. So I had seen Guns N' Roses on the 8th, so about 10 days ago at this point. But we talk about that in this episode. And uh, yeah, man, I tell you, freaking uh, a little little bummed out, still uh, unemployed. I'm a freelance TV producer, writer type of guy, Uh, usually... When a job ends, I start right up on another job. But uh, for the first time in a long time, I found myself without work for, uh, I guess, am I going on? I think this is the fourth week with no work. So a little stressed out. The one uh, thing that is cool is it's allowing me to get a lot of bonus episodes up for you guys. And, uh, you know, any anything you want to do to help out, I know times are tough for everyone. I, I get it more more now than than uh before but yeah uh you know we got the paypal donation link we got the amazon um links you can link on over make your purchases on amazon no extra cost to you just go to talkingmetal.com and use any of the amazon links that you see to uh link over to amazon make those purchases you can buy a t-shirt also wanted to tell you uh, being in my downtime here i wrote a episode of the uh, web web series angry aliens uh, a no-budget show. I didn't get paid or anything, but it had had a lot of fun. Uh, it kind of deals with Donald Trump and aliens and and stuff like that. A little little political, you know. Um, not not too bad. I think uh, all sides of the political uh, aisle can probably enjoy it. It's Angry Aliens episode five. I'll link it through today's show notes if you're at all interested. Give it a like. Subscribe to the Angry Aliens page too. 
Um, again, it's uh, totally nothing to do with music. It's uh, kind of like South Park in space, super low budget, looks, looks kind of terrible, um, funny storylines. At least I hope they're funny, clever, if, if not funny. I've been told they're, they're clever. Somebody on Twitter said it was genius. I think that was Bert Gabriel, actually. So there you go. Anyways, so check that out, Angry Aliens. And uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Um, hope you guys have a great week. I may get another episode up for you before the end of the week. I, I got a bunch of interviews now sitting in the in the can, as we say. So need to get those together in a, in a show form and post them for you. But here is Talking Metal 597 slash metal raps 29 oh wait wait wait, 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 one last thing a big thanks to i got a real nice donation usually on my on the paypal donations i can re- reply all and let people know um that i got the donation but for some reason on this one i couldn't i don't know i guess the email's private but it's a healthy donation i'll say that so thank you to uh what is this guy's name uh antonio uh I really appreciate it. Antonio from Indiana. Dude, you rock. Thanks. You made my week. All right, man. Uh, here, here we go. Here's the episode. Well, hey there, and welcome to episode number 29 of Metal Raps. My name is Mitch Joel, and as always, we are joined by Talking Metal's Mark Striegel. How are you doing, Mark? I am good. I am good. How are you, Mitch? Great, thanks. And, of course, we are also with Mitch LaFon from One on One with Mitch LaFon. Mitch. A, a properly named... Uh, show, I would say. I would say. We're gonna, you, know. you can call the show the other Mitch if you want. I won't be offended. <laughs> go, go for it. The other one. But yeah, hey, here we are. We're we're ready to talk. We got lots of great topics. So I think the top shelf has to be what happened with Guns and Roses and the show. And I'm going to start off by uh, being very empathetic to our man in in New York, Mark Striegel, because. Mark, I know you bought tickets in advance. You were flying to Vegas. You were super psyched for it. And one of the things you mentioned, and it resonated, it, was, it stayed in my cranium, is that you were uber concerned that they would do some secret shows or stuff before and that it wouldn't be the first show and that would kind of bum you out. And sure enough, April Fool's Day, they announced a show with the Troubadour, a couple hundred people, uh, crazy security to the point of there was stories of you had to put your phone in a special bag that right, yeah. didn't have the ability to transmit on and on. So one is uh, Guns N' Roses is back. We can talk a little bit about that. But start off with were you bummed out that they did the show in the Death of the Troubadour? A little bit, a little bit. And then, you know, I got even more bummed out because the – the night before the uh, the show, I got some some scoop from somebody with the initials ML that uh, the uh, that Axel had potentially broke his foot, and and sure enough, he was right. That the next day they announced that Axel had broke his foot at the Troubadour show, had had surgery. So I was very nervous that you know it was going to ruin the show at in Vegas and. Man, I was I was definitely wrong. It was just a real spiritual, magical moment that night with Axel sitting for the whole show, and and uh, you know I I can uh, tell you a little bit about the show if you if you want. Yeah, no, I think we should talk a little bit about it. Um, the first thing you know, I've only was able to catch some video clips. Is and again, I'm the one who's been the skeptic. I think amongst the trio here about whether or not they're going to be capable of doing this. They sounded amazing, from what I heard. Uh, they sounded amazing at the Troubadour. I thought 
the clips that I heard in Vegas sounded great too. And Axel was up on the Dave Grohl Foo Fighters throne. Right. So walk us a bit through what that was. I mean, that, you know, I think a lot of people who want guns want to see Axel do the snake dance, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which we did too, but, but it it still didn't matter because with, with Duff and Slash on that stage and even Fortis, big hats off to him because he was just so energetic um, you know that it it was it was it was different. It was strange, and in a, in 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 a, in a way, it felt like we saw something really special. And you know, the fact that Axel was sitting there in the Dave Grohl throne was was one of those things that made it even more special in a weird way. And and he was so one hundred percent on with his voice. Um, the quarterback of the show, in my opinion, without question, was Slash. I had seen Slash play with the you know, with Miles and them in, in Jersey uh, less than a year ago and was really disappointed. His tone was off and I thought his playing was off. So I was a little nervous of how he would be at this Guns N' Roses show. He was beyond 100%. The, the three months they spent rehearsing these songs every day showed and he was just spot on. His tone was perfect. He played the songs perfect. And if if anything else, you know, I don't we don't have a lot of time on these shows, but the one thing I took away from it is that I don't care who wrote the songs, Slash's tone and feel are, are were a major major if if not almost as important as Axel's voice uh, to what made that band. You know, and I always hear well, is he wrote this wrote that song or this song and you know, Axel but it doesn't matter. Slash is his guitar playing made those songs and when I saw him play those songs again that became apparent and he played them perfectly. The other thing I will say is having the two guitars on stage instead of three. I don't care if you're Iron Maiden or the Allman Brothers or Guns N' Roses. There's no there's no need for three guitars all in that same frequency on stage. And I think it was a much cleaner sound just in general than than the Chinese democracy era three guitar lineup of Guns N' Roses and the this sounded phenomenal the best I've ever heard the band sound and I've been seeing them since 1988 setlist uh what did you think of the setlist I thought it was I thought it was great I, I you know I mentioned to to on Twitter and, and to Mitch that I, we were there for the sound check actually for at least part of the sound check and they even did more Chinese democracy songs at the sound check that haven't been played in the actual uh performance the actual set list yet um i I thought it was great that that they did perform three chinese democracy songs that night you know and some blabbermouth said oh it was an olive branch to the fans of chinese democracy yes but i don't i think it was more an olive branch to axel you know from from slash and duff you know because in axel's mind this isn't a reunion this is a continuation of the band with slash and and duff rejoining and the fact that they went out and played three songs and we know at least there's one additional song that they have been rehearsing and sound checking i think is it more of an olive branch towards towards axel uh and uh the set list was great you know they didn't do don't cry the first night i guess they did the second night um i would have liked to have heard that and they did my michelle with uh with Bach the second night not the first night so you weren't at that show no but you know what i like between the first two night the first and the second night that unlike kiss unlike iron maiden they mixed up the set list it's so it's so awesome and i hope they continue to do that throughout the tour uh you know and not play the same stale thing over and over and over again 
Yeah, I'm 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 way more converted than I was when I heard that this was going down. I still worry that that while the train is on the tracks, we could very easily have a train wreck here. And I think the foot, you know, there was a lot of the sort of comments on Facebook and Twitter where, well, we're off to a great start now, aren't we? It was sort of like that sort of sarcastic. But yeah. then you watch the videos and it, again, from my point of view, it sort of it, it erased a little bit of that. Mitch, did you watch the videos? What did you think of what you saw, heard? I'm with you. I thought I thought everything sounded great. And here's what I thought is you took those uh, Chinese democracy songs and those are the videos I really went after and I watched every you know version of it, the, the bad cell phone, the this and that. And those songs with Slash doing the solos now became Guns N' Roses songs. They went to that next level. When you hear, um, what was it, This I Love, I think that's the name of the song. Yes. Uh, I've heard it before and I've seen it played with Bumblefoot and all that and they sounded great. But the way Slash handled that solo, it's like, ah, oh, they got to go back in the studio with this lineup, record those three songs, throw it on a greatest hits, and or you know they got to do something because it's no longer Chinese democracy songs; it's now Guns and Roses yeah, songs. No, well and, said. Yeah. yeah, it just they sounded great. I mean, the way he hit the, and and by the way, kudos for Slash and for for doing that. I mean. You know, you look at uh, David Lee Roth, I'm not doing Sammy Hager songs. And this, he just went, yeah, whatever. Let's just play some songs and, you know, no attitude. Okay, let's just do it. And, uh, yeah, I- I'm happy. So uh, the, the best part of all of this is we can actually both sit here and say Mitch Joel was wrong. Well, no, assessment. I'm not wrong yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, I think you said they were going to be doing cl- – they could maybe do clubs. But they listen, no, they, they, they sold that. out I, Giant skept- Stadium already in, in, in New York here, New Jersey. So I was skeptical of the arena tour. And as we're seeing now, they're doing they're, – uh, sorry, the stadium tours, they're doing arenas. And we'll see how this how this, how this this tour rolls out and, and how they do. But well, it sounds No, it's stadiums. Right? It's stadiums. They're doing stadiums except for these first couple of shows. I mean, other let's, than Vegas, everything else is stadiums. We're going to say I think that they've got good momentum, and I hope I'm wrong. That's that's all I'll say. I definitely okay. hope that I am wrong. It would be great to be totally wrong. And we hope it too. Just yeah. it's a lot more fun when you are. But that's no, come fun. on, <laughs> you know when when I heard about the broken foot thing, and I heard about it right after the troubadour. You know, he was uh, and he broke his foot and yada yada, and everybody said keep it hush hush, and I thought, uh oh. And I, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know if it was fake and they wanted to cancel the shows because something was going on and then they were going to spring this on us, if it was real and then they were going to cancel the shows. And he showed up and he played the shows. And like you said, the videos sound great. So it's a win all around. So thank, we're thank also God. See yeah. a, we're also going to have to see on the timing here. This band is going on super late, past eleven o'clock at night. They're doing. I mean, we're going to see how the maintenance goes when this thing really goes on the road, and it's not one or two shows. And again, I am skeptical just based off of history, and also based off of the fact that you're not hearing about too much sort of interpersonal getting along. This just that there's these shows. It doesn't look like there's been. Um, yeah, but Motley Crue doesn't get along, and they did shows. No, but. You know, I, I've did. seen the the itinerary for Motley, for um, Guns N' Roses, and all the shows except for Coachella are slated to start at eleven, <laughs> and, and that's that's the scheduled time in the itinerary. And I'm just like, huh? I'm not sure that's going to play in Toronto in July. I'm not sure that's going to play at Giant. Yeah. Stadium. Well, when you when you when you have forty five thousand people crammed into Giant Stadium in North New Jersey, many who are are 
our you know uh, parents with babysitters work. at home and you know have to have to take public transportation home it, it, it's rough you know it's uh it's it it takes i mean i really hope they get the word out that the babysitter is going to need to be there all night you know um because uh, yeah yeah sleep. and this is this is that's showing our age if, if nothing is that is yeah uh, but so that's the reality talk, of their but fan that's base a real concern yeah. you know I go to a lot of shows and clubs and that cater to, to our age in terms of the bands are playing. Like I, I just saw Jeff Tate on Sunday night and they start the show at 10 o'clock and you go, yeah, you know, we're all 40, 45, 50. We've got some other stuff. I got to be to work Monday morning. Just, just start the fucking band at, sorry, excuse the language, but just start the band at eight o'clock, you know, or start them at nine. I mean, why, why do we need to be at a show till 1230? You on a Sunday night. Yeah, you got the fourteen-year-old babysitter at home. She's not going to stay there. So you know, most people just don't show up, and they go, "Well, nobody buy concert tickets anymore." Well, be smart about it. Advertise that the show starts at eight thirty, and we'll show up. Because you know, I think what they should do is do it like at four p.m. Leave the lights slightly on and put the music lower, and you can bring your babies and nurse and stuff. It'd be great, <laughs> just like the movie theaters do. Right. And get an and get the early bird special on the steak right on the sirloin. <laughs> exactly. So Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that was another big one that had a lot of rock components to it. And this sort of catalyst for my thinking around where this is going is uh, actually not necessarily directly related to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, although kind of is, is, is Whitesnake, uh, Deep Purple. Uh, but David Coverdale has announced that he may retire. Mitch, what's going on with that? Yeah, listen, uh, the 1987 White Snake album, the, the big one that changed their fortunes in America, came out 30 years ago next year. And apparently he wants to do the album tour, the 30th anniversary, the whole thing, and just sort of say, that's it. That's it. I've, I've hit the, the, the plateau. We're out of here. Uh, I hope it's not true. We also got Aerosmith, Steven Tyler saying the same thing about a farewell tour next year. I don't know. Um, I hope not. You know. It's it's in the air. I'll tell you something. I've I've had a chance to see White Snake through the years, and you catch other bands through the years, and they swap out members. They change. The band doesn't sound as hungry, as ferocious, as loud, as energetic. One thing about White Snake is always consistent. They are just banging. I mean, they sound so good. The players in the band are always so good. The guitar playing is so good. The drumming is great. I saw the last tour with Tom, not the purple one, the one before that, and Tommy Aldridge, just unbelievable. So I, I actually hope he doesn't retire only because I think he's still 100% has it. When he sings, he just sounds great. I, I just think he's amazing. When yeah. did, was Deep Purple inducted this year into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes, with with yeah. David Coverdale. So it was this year. So that was interesting too. So what I caught, and and I'm I'm literally leaning on you guys, Marco, lean on you first. Is who was inducted? It was Coverdale. I saw Glenn Hughes there. Am I correct that Jolyn Turner was not inducted? No, he was not. But uh, you know, he was only Jolyn Turner was more of a part of Rainbow. Sure, he was in Deep Purple. Uh, in like the late 80s, early 90s, but I, d I don't really know if he should have been inducted as part of Deep Purple. Um, in my personal opinion, it was a random batch. Like it was the first singer, I don't know his name, but the guy who sang Hush, but none of the rest of the, there were like the, the original bassist was not inducted, but that original singer was. Uh, then, you know, Roger Glover uh, and Ian Pace and, and John Lord, of course, who's no longer with us. Um, Posthumously, yeah. 
Uh, Ian Gillen, Glenn Hughes, David Coverdale, and I don't. I think that's it. I'm, I'm, am I missing anyone? I, I don't really know. I just I yeah. just saw Glenn Hughes and David Coverdale, and I went, "That's good enough for me." Yeah, it was. <laughs> let's see, Coverdale, Gillen, Glenn Hughes, Blackmore. No Tommy Bolin, which was uh, weird. Yeah, yeah, but again, he was only on one record, um, which wasn't a real popular record. Uh, the original singer, whatever his name was, and then yeah, and then Glover and Pace and Lord. So yeah, yeah, it was kind of a, a, a random batch. But the 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 people who I guess were a part of the most popular stuff. Um, yeah, but if any, you know, the original bassist, I don't even know what his name was, but the guy who played on Hush, you know, he wasn't he wasn't inducted. It's one of those weird bands. It's like Whitesnake. Let's say Whitesnake gets in one day. I mean, who do you put it in? It's, it's been 87 members, you know? Like, right. How do you pick, right? So I would argue if Whitesnake went in, it has to be the 1987 lineup, and then somebody's going to say, no, no, no. It would have to be from 1982, the Saints and Sinners. And, and I, think you cut, I think you cut off Whitesnake after Slip of the Tongue, to be fair. Yeah. Or is yeah. it the 1987 lineup that was in the music videos or the ones that played yeah. on the record? Because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> then you so, go back to 83, exactly. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's exactly the same thing with Deep Purple. I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, they're, they're probably like at 104 members by now. So, so who do you pick, right? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that, uh, you know, I asked the question because I really wasn't sure. One is I was sort of surprised that they weren't already in it, to be honest. I wasn't sure if it was this year, and I wasn't sure if it was this year because there was so much noise this year. One, obviously Cheap Trick finally getting in, I think, overshadowed the fact that Deep Purple finally got in, which is sort of a weird thing because I think they're both equal and both should have been in long ago. Uh, Steve Miller, who made a lot of noise and created a lot of press around his sort of disdain for the organization. So and then of odd. course, and well, I mean, listen, so what, I mean, I think it's fair. Like, I mean, I was just going to go into the NWA story with ice cube right. and ice cube was just on Howard Stern and he was like vehemently agreeing with Steve Miller. Like yeah, you want course. to go, your older guys, you've got kids and family. They give you one ticket. You plus one. So if you have kids, it's $10,000 to bring a person. There was no production. They wanted to do an NWA reunion with you know Dr. Dre and the whole – and there was no budget to do anything, so they didn't wind up performing. Gene Simmons got mad from Kiss and said NWA shouldn't even be in there because they're a rap band, not a rock band, blah, blah, blah. I mean there was just so much noise around the event that I feel like uh, unfortunately Deep Purple, part of the pun, got hushed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but I, I want to touch a little bit on this NWA Ice Cube Gene Simmons thing. It was amazing to me to hear Howard Stern uh, interview Ice Cube, which, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, great interview. Uh, hilarious. Ice Cube was amazingly funny and brilliant. Um, I actually really do side with NWA. I side with the fact that rock and roll is an attitude. I am definitely not a purist. I think it's a tree, and underneath that tree, there's a lot of roots, and there's a lot of branches on the tree as well. Um, Gene Simmons, I love Kiss. I just think Gene, Gene is 
I just can't relate to the character anymore. I don't even know if it's a character anymore. He's just like getting to the get off my lawn stage with everything. Uh, he, he's uh, become a lunatic. I mean, no offense. Well, I guess there is an offense, but he's yeah, become a lunatic. I'd say no offense. I don't think it works like that, Mitch. But that's how it works. You go out with all due respect, and then you throw out a you throw out something it's nasty, an right? Yeah, exactly. No, but uh, he's become a lunatic. Uh, he just talks to hear himself talk. You know, in the seventies and eighties, it was like ah, he's you know poking the bear or whatever. Now now he's just saying. Stupid stuff. And that was stupid. I mean, you're right. Rock and roll is not a musical genre. It's a musical attitude or it's just it's just a rebellious attitude. You know, Elvis was rock and roll. The Beatles were rock and roll. And everything after that was rock and roll. And you can't tell me that the Elvis and the Beatles and, and Kiss and Led Zeppelin, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're not. And it's all rock and roll. And so was Madonna. And so was, you know, so was you too and all these but, bands. But with all that, I find it, I do... I mean, I, I'm not gonna say I see where Gene is coming from with that. What's his I, point? Because they don't hold guitars in their hands, that they're not rock and roll. No, he's but a lunatic. But what I would say is, if you look back historically and you think of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and what it means, and you say to yourself, Madonna and Michael Jackson are inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even Run DMC before Deep Purple and Cheap Trick. I just I mean that's the only part where I look at how they make those choices and I'm like it's strange that you have bands that are not like are able to be in there and I have no issue with them any of those people being in there but if you talk about pure rock and roll bands that have truly impacted the genre right. Cheap Trick, Deep Purple, Chicago, Steve Miller and they are past or not even while you have you know, pop artists, rap artists. I have no issue with them being in there. I just find that I'm, that is the right. one point where I'm like, it's a little kooky over there. No, it is. I'll, I'll say this, and I don't defend the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I think it's not as much musical impact as social impact. And I think Madonna changed the world a lot more than Cheap Trick ever did. Um, yeah. A million percent. I don't disagree with that. I yeah, just you find know, I, that's Michael, the only part that's strange to me. I have to look at it like the. Uh, the baseball hall of fame you know you're gonna put in dimaggio and hank aaron before you're gonna put in some of the other guys that were part of the major league baseball being formed and it's not a disrespect for them it's just that hank aaron had a greater impact and so should cheap trick have been in sooner yes absolutely should kiss have been in sooner should alice cooper yes absolutely but michael jackson's cultural impact was way beyond anything those bands did combined and so that makes him an all-star ahead of, you know, the guy who hit 298 and had, you know, 55 career home runs. So I, I don't blame them, but I, I just can't stand defending the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I got to say, I, it's one of those but, but, silly but they places. Just, yeah, they just seem like so out of touch with with what they are. what is popular and, and how in the world can... You know, I mean, the Velvet Underground, you know, and New York Dolls, I actually like those two bands, but they didn't sell many records. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't, they, they were never popular. Impact. Yeah. But it's cultural impact. The whole Lord. New York scene in the 70s and Max's Kansas City and CBGB's, those those people ruled the roost. I mean, Ramones weren't a big seller in terms of yeah. Among 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 like this elite rock journalist in New York, you know, um, downtown New York yeah, group, uh, which which you know at least when you're talking about sports, there's 
you, you know, you can look at the guys who had the most home runs or the most touchdowns, and it's like, yeah, they're they're the best. But in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's this it's this committee's uh, opinion that Laura Nero is more yeah. important to uh, rock and roll history than than but, Deep Purple or Cheap Trick, which is just absolute bullshit. You know, it's but, it's nonsense. But think about it though. You know, in baseball, the the guys that have played for the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees get into the rock or into the hall of the baseball hall of fame before the Toronto Blue Jay guy before the Montreal Expo guy before the Florida Marlin guy not because they're necessarily better but they're just in the markets where they were recognized more and so the Velvet Underground was in New York and so they get noticed before the band that came out of Detroit it's just yeah, I don't know enough about the Baseball Hall of Fame. I know <laughs> Gary Carter went in as an expo, right? I mean, I, I in, was he the best expo ever? I'm not sure, you know, but so probably not. Yeah. Before we wrap up and go to what we're what we've been listening to, I'm curious because there is one band that is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that, um, I'll, you know, I'll pass my judgment on whether they should or shouldn't be after hearing what you think. Bon Jovi, Mitch LaFont, should they be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Motley Crue, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Uh, Maiden. Uh, I would even go as far as Poison, not because they are great musical bands, necessarily all of them, but they had a cultural impact. The 1980s were about all those bands. And if you lived in America, those bands meant something to you, whether you were at the roller rink or at the uh, uh, arcade, you heard those songs and they were the soundtrack of the Reagan years, and you can't deny them. Yeah, and, and they still, when when somebody from from who grew up in that era hears one of those songs, uh, you know, it it invokes an emotion. Whether you know, uh, whether you're a Madonna them. fan or an RC, yeah, or yeah whether you fan. hate it, you love it, yep. you know, it, it it means something to you. You know, when I when I hear an Aha song, you know, Take on Me, which back in the '80s I hated. Uh, when I hear that now, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. It like brings me back somewhere, and I almost enjoy it in a weird sort of way. But it's like no one, no one hears a Laura Nero song besides a very small percentage of people and thinks that, wow, this, this is, this is it. This is was such an emo- amazing moment in my life. There's such a disconnect no. between the, the the what the what the people like and what the the hall like. And uh, of course, Bon Jovi should be in. Boston should be in. You know, um, I think the the list just goes on and on and on. You know, there's Eric so many. Eric Carr people. and Bruce Kulick should be in with Kiss. By the way. Yeah. So, so listen. I think you guys are are heading down the right alley. I would say that if you were going to look at a at a decade of music, uh, a moment in time, and go and give the green light to Run DMC, Madonna, and Michael Jackson, and not give it to Bon Jovi, I do think that that's criminal. I think that that's only augmented by the fact that the name of that organization is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Don't have to like them. Don't have to like the hair, the hair extensions, the spandex, the pink, the whatever. But uh, I think that if you are going to look at music that defined that generation, it's really hard to say uh, a yes to Madonna, Run DMC, Michael Jackson, a no to Bon Jovi. That's just my yeah top level thought on that. So, what have you been listening to lately? Let's start with Mitch Lafon. Well, I've been listening to a friend of yours, Paul Lane, uh, of course, formerly of Danger. Danger has a new band called The Defiance with uh, Bruno Ravel and Rob. Let me get this name right. Marcel, Marcello. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I don't know. Rob. Anyway, it's, know Paul. 
Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, but uh, no, the Defiance. It's 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 just a great fun. You know, I got the uh, the advanced link from Frontier Records, and I looked at the players, and I looked at the type of music, and I thought, oh, okay, it'll be whatever. And it's just fantastic from top to bottom. All twelve songs just evoke an emotion. Makes me think of driving to the beach in a convertible. It, it's just a fun fun record is it going to change the world no but it doesn't have to it's just a fun record mark do so. you know paul and you did you know his I, music I, at all no I, okay I don't this know. is a great story i'm going to share a little great story with you so back in the it's got to be the mid 80s i get uh, a note from bruce allen who at the time was really well known as being brian adams manager and still to this day he's an icon in the industry and he's picked up this other vancouver boy his name is paul lane Long hair, really good looking, and he's got this debut album out on Electra called Stick It In Your Ear. And they send me the version of it, and you got to, again, frame the sort of mid to late 80s here uh, in a Discman. And it's like a Sony, brand new Sony Discman with the CD in it. And I got mm-hmm. that. And as a journalist, you're like, wow. I mean, that was like, yeah, it would be like getting a, a top of the line iPhone now with an right. album on it. And I thought, this is the greatest, right? And so I go to hit the eject button and it doesn't work. And I'm looking, it doesn't work. And I realized that they actually glued the album <laughs> into the Discman wow. so you could only listen. And I remember thinking, I don't know if this is smart or the stupidest thing that anyone could do. But I, it's funny, out of all the promotional items through all the years that I ever got, I remember that one possible. Paul and I became really, really good friends. Uh, we met for the first time. He actually toured opening up for Joe Satriani back in the day. Um, and to this day, we stayed close. So Mitch reached out to me, do you know this guy? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We are, we've known each other through our entire lives. And so, yeah, I agree. I, I'm a big fan of the Defiance too. Is there anything else you've been listening to, uh, Mitch? Well, uh, can, may, I, may I just add to that? Uh, I interviewed Paul earlier today about the band and the Defiance, and he gave me the whole story about – you being 15 years old uh, with the <laughs> Joe Satriani, or, or was it Steve I, you said? And uh, Sat, yeah. Sat and, and, and he said, uh, hey, do you want to go for supper? And so the whole band shows up, and here's you, Mitch Joel, a 15-year going, hey, hey, it's time for supper. <laughs> Is that how the, the story goes, Mitch? You were you were 15 and you invited Joe and, and Paul and the whole band and crew to, to dinner? I don't remember. It's possible. I don't think I was 15, though. I was probably closer to 20. But um, He said you were 15, like this little geeky 15-year-old waiting for everybody going, hey, it's supper time. <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, that's how Paul tells it. But great story. Anyway. Good. Anything else you've been listening to? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, you know, a lot of Thunder. I, I, I love I, that band. I, you know, Thunder is a great band, and I got to say, it's, it's one of those weird bands where their albums really have left me sort of like, meh, it's okay. But they have a lot of live compilations and stuff, and I've been listening to live at, at Loud Park and live at Donington. They are the greatest band live. I mean, it's just every album that I've listened to and every tape that they've done that's live, it's just fun. Fun, fun, fun. So Thunder, anything live, if you see it on eBay or on Amazon, just buy it because it's fun. It's, it's just a fun band. We are going full circle. The way I found out about uh, Thunder is because back in the day, uh, David Coverdale was a massive fan of the singer Danny Bowes, I think his name is, and Backstreet Symphony, amazing debut that turned me on to them. Love the band as well. Mark, what have you been checking out? Uh, a couple of things. The new Damon Johnson EP, Echo, I think is really great for – any fans of, of, of Damon, and he's done so much from Brother Kane all the way to 
Black Star Riders, Thin Lizzy, what was it, Slave, Slave to the System or Slaves to the System? Um, done this writing with... Yeah, done writing with Skid Row. This guy's great. He's he's played with Alice for a while, and, and this is a, a great EP produced by Nick Razgulanix, uh, yeah. who did Ghost, Rush, Foo Fighters, uh, Fireball Ministry, um, among many others. Huh. Yeah, not to mention Black Star Riders. So, uh, it, and it's great. It's it it's uh, five songs, and they're all potently good. Um, so checking that out, and then the other one I'm checking out recently is. Uh, a band called Savage Master. the The album is called With Whips and Chains. Is that, is that a porn site or a band? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's a, that's oh. a band. Savage Master. Uh, we, we have Stacy Savage coming uh, on Talking Metal in uh, in a week or so. But uh, yeah, Savage Master uh, featuring Stacy Savage on vocals, and this is a throwback band. I mean, they're they're one of these you know retro throwback bands. They sound like they're right out of 1980 new age or new wave of British heavy metal scene, uh, but yet they're they're from like Kentucky or something, you know. But uh, they're they're really fun and. Uh, refreshing uh the way they capture the spirit of of the the old days in this uh, new record with whips and chains again that's savage master i'm gonna one thing about damon johnson yeah he he also played with sammy hager for a while and he did the the marching to mars album with him and great um, album wow yeah and and he tells a great story of how brother kane was opening for van halen and Sammy just went, hey, this kid's got something. Let me call him up when I do this album. And uh, I talk about it on, the, on my interview with him that, that, that's going up on one-on-one. And it's just a great story because we always say Alice Cooper, Thin Lizzy, but we forget the Sammy. And, uh, hey, it, it was a great little moment for him. And the album's great. So there you go. I wanted to oh, share man. that. I saw that show. I saw the Van Halen Brother Kane show. So that's super cool. I had, not, I had forgotten about that. I'm going to echo Mitch LaFon's choice of the Defiance because I'm completely, it's complete nepotism at this point to not promote Paul Lane, who I think was and is one of the best rock singers out there who never really got the full due he rightfully deserved. There's guys like Paul, uh, Robert Mason, and a couple of other guys who I just think were such amazing singers who never just got that full on. Uh, the respect that they deserved. The next thing I love, I'm surprised that neither of you mentioned this. I'm loving Book of Shadows 2 by Zach Wilde. Great album. Um, I love the first one. I, I love all things Crazy Zach, but I, there's something about that dude and a guitar and that voice that I'm just I'm I'm a much bigger fan, believe it or not, of his Book of Shadows stuff than I am of his pure on rock stuff. But yeah. oh, I, I'm with you. I, I love Book of Shadows. I thought it was great. great and then he yeah. started doing Black Label Society and and. As every BLS album came out, my interest waned. I was like, oh, okay, just more of the same stuff that is not a song. Yeah. And you, know, you go back to Book of Shadows, and it's like, whoa, fantastic. So good. I just saw him uh, last Saturday night in Las Vegas as part of Guitar. Ultimate Guitar. Uh, uh, yeah, no, guitar. Generation Axes, it was oh, called. I see that and show I so tell badly. you. He came out and did covers, uh, Sabbath, you know, Almond Brothers, Hendrix, and it was so freaking good. I mean, he so he blew so he blew Steve Vai, he blew Engve, he blew everyone else off the stage, uh, and it was simply because instead of going out there and just shredding, you know, um, he 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 shredded, you know, but it was over these just classic songs and just uh, such a talent. And was Noodle Betancourt at that show too? Isn't yeah, Nudo? yeah, and he. He, he was good. He was, uh, I think, you know, and I'm an old school Engve fan and Steve Vai fan, but I have to say, 
you know, it, it's hard not to rate them, but Zach was the best that night, and and Nuno was uh, second best, I would say. And yeah, no disrespect great. towards the other guys, but the, and it was partly because they they came out and they jammed songs instead of just the shred instrumental stuff, you know. Ah, what a great tour! I saw that tour, and I saw your pictures, and I was like, "Oh man, Striegel's at Guns and Roses, and this." Je- oh, I was so jealous. It's so cool. Well, well that's you, de- you deserve it after the uh, Nam show <laughs> pictures. So <laughs> we'll, we'll take care of, of, of Nam and you <laughs> next year. Don't you worry about that, Mitch. Oh, so thanks everybody. Thanks for being a part of Metal Raps number twenty nine. We'll be back soon with Metal Raps number thirty. Until then, I'm Mitch Joel. You can always find me at, at Mitch Joel on Twitter or check out my podcast for bass players. Uh, it's called Groove the No Treble Podcast at notreble.com. Brand new episode just went live with Jack Cassidy, who is the legendary and rock and roll hall of fame a member of Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna, and also a little interesting tidbit. Jack Cassidy's bass playing is on the recorded version of Jimi Hendrix's Voodoo Child. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, Mitch, let people know where they can find you. Uh, good old at Mitch Lafon on Twitter, one-on-one Mitch Lafon on Facebook, and my latest episode of One-on-One with Mitch Lafon features Damon Johnson and guitarist Paul Nelson of the Johnny Winter group. So there that's, you go. That's great. Mark? Yeah, I'm, in, uh, I'm on Twitter. It's at Talking Metal. And new shows? What do you got going on? Uh, we got... Um... An episode coming up all about the Rock in Derby Festival. Uh, we got the promoter of the festival on t- talking about the the festival, and also Charlie from Anthrax. They will be playing at the festival, and we we talked to both those guys those guys about how great this this rock der- rock and derby festival down in the Albany, New York area is going to be. It's about a little over a month from now, and. Uh, Highly recommended. I, I will be up there for at least two of the three days, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I know. I think Mitch Lafon, you're coming down too, right? Well, actually, my plans have changed. Have I got they? invited okay. by the uh, Alice Cooper people to head over to Casino Rama in uh, Ontario, and of course, uh, it's Alice Cooper. I mean, yeah. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. No offense to uh, you know whatever Shinedown or whoever's playing the Rock and Derby, but. Sounds Megadeth, uh, 6 a.m. Ghost. Love them, love them. Yeah, Man, I don't love, uh, don't love Ghost, but love those. Got love Anthrax and Dawkins. Dawkins, extreme. It's, it's, yeah. it's Alice Cooper. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> that's, that's all you got to say. Uh, Sounds like we're all busy with the rock, and that's all that matters. So yeah, thanks everybody. Say, uh, oh, you're gonna wrap up. I was gonna say who else is coming up uh, next week. We've got oh, uh, Helix, Paul Lane, of course, Defiance, Danger, Danger, Vicky Hamilton with. Appetite for Dysfunction, and uh, many, many more guests. So there you go. Nice. All right, guys. This has been Metal Raps 29. We'll be back with number 30 real soon. See ya.